Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network with Dr. Franklin Weefold. Open himself a Genesee beer right here. I wish. Live in studio. No, I've never a, had Genesee. Is yeah. that like a northern thing? It's not, a, it's not something you a want. A Pennsylvania actually, thing? He's actually drinking a Mountain Dew. I, you know, it's terrible. I shouldn't be, but... You know, okay. do you remember remember Mountain Dew commercials from kids? Yeah, we kid? thought it was country. Yeah, it give was an old that. guy with a jug. Yeah, give me Yahoo that. Mountain Dew. Yahoo. <laughs> All right, so he's got a he's got a sip because he's got a little tickle in his throat. Yeah, it's just the allergies. Terrible. Is it really? Okay. Omega three and AFib, marijuana and heart disease. Yale scientists have discovered the the link. I guess. Yeah. The answer to the question, why do some people get severe COVID and die? And, and, you know, this may actually help us if we can, you know, screen people and find out if they have the situation. But we'll go into more detail. All right. Also, Dr. Burnout and your phone calls, 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's, let's talk about Naomi Judd. Okay. Because it's a mental health, mental health awareness month. Yeah. It's really sad. It is. Yeah, because apparently she suffered from severe depression for her whole life. Wow. And this goes to the point that I like to make that this is not a disease that we've really got the handle on. Uh, right. We have a lot of medications. We have... You know, a lot of great medications. And as someone who has suffered from depression before, I now feel very lucky that I have come across uh, a medicine that really has changed my life. And we don't, she went through everything. Uh, I don't obviously know her complete history. But she wrote that there were times when for three months she wouldn't get out of bed and if wow. she did she wouldn't take a shower she had so much uh in terms of motivational issues right but then you go back and think about her life right. i mean what a success i mean you know just the the number of hit records right the ability to get out there and look like right. she's completely and totally with it she was a single mom. She raised two ultra-successful daughters. Right. And she just had what you and I would consider to be everything. Yeah. She had the financial resource. Yeah. She had the, the opportunity to ask for help. Right. but And she did. Right. I mean, she did have uh, medical care and psychiatric care. Um, and again, please... You know, take this with a grain of salt because I don't have her medical records. All I know is what I've read and what she has actually said right. in interviews with people. Um, but remember, if you're out there suffering, you, you know, there is hope, not just hope. There are therapies. Right. And they go beyond medications. I mean, I will say this. Uh, one of the most effective means 
for treatment-resistant depression remains electroconvulsive therapy, ECT. And people still have such a negative emotional uh, response to the concept of ECT. Uh, Do you remember, and this is, you know, when we were kids, but um, uh, the presidential election, McGovern was running, and he picked Thomas Eagleton, who was a very excellent senator and it they found out he had had ect treatment now this is in 1972 wow. um in the dark ages and forgive me if you were a psychiatrist in 1972 i'm not saying you lived in the dark ages because you were you know a crow magnon man but they just didn't <laughs> have the research to right. know and back in the early days you know what ect is basically um, they take the defibrillation paddles uh-huh. for, you know, the heart. Everybody's seen that on TV. Kachunk, you know. Stand back! And the whole body goes up. They basically hook those up to your head. Wow. And give you a big shock. Now, what would happen? Uh, they held people down, um, mm-hmm. and they'd break bones at times. And it would take a long time for people to recover. Well, now it's done under general anesthesia. And it's done with what we call a paralyzing agent, um, succinylcholine or something like that, which paralyzes your muscles so you can't, um, you know, break your bones by contracting. And there are complications and side effects. People sometimes say they have memory loss for up to a month or even longer afterwards. But it is extremely effective. It's not effective for everyone, just like the medicines aren't effective for everyone. Right. But I'm giving this just as an example that if you're out there struggling. Right. And don't feel bad. There's no um, uh, negative connotation anymore. Right. For people who have depression. It is an illness like diabetes and high blood pressure. It is a treatable illness. It is um, something that we need to focus on this month. And I think that Naomi Judd is a prime example of a wonderful human being from what I know. Um, Reading about her, I didn't know her, and I'm not making a diagnosis on her. But if you're out there with depression, there is hope. There is everything that we can do to help you. I went to a Judd's concert. You did? In the 80s. I don't even know any of their songs. Oh, my gosh. Wonderful. Can I just tell you that she, you know? Can we play something? Yeah, we can. We can we'll look for a Judd song. Yeah. The the uh, the pair of them had, of course, familial vocal ability. Uh-huh. They, you know, Mama would sing harmony, and Winona would sing the uh, melody. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. Really? But the Mama was so much. So she was so beautiful. Yeah. I, and still, you know, even up to yeah. her seventies, yeah. and she died at what seventy eight. Um, I don't know how old she. Yeah, so she always right will be seventy six. She will always be young in my mind, right? Right. I mean, but that's you, the thing. But it, I yeah. think she's one of those rare people who just don't age very much. Yeah. I think the current pictures still show yeah. her looking good. Uh, Lovers really fall in love to stay, stand beside each other, call. Something they would say, then forget. 
Yes. And, 1980s yeah. country music. People yeah. who were fans then just yeah. you know, probably got uh, into You know, there's, there's this merger now of country music and pop music. Right. And, um, you know, some people don't like it. Some people want to go back to Porter Wagner. But here's the thing. <laughs> I want to, just a quote from her. Yeah. They see me in rhinestones and glitter in my hair. That really is who I am. But then I would come home and not leave the house for weeks. Yeah. And there are 40 million people in the United States of America who suffer from significant depression. And it impacts everything. From a cardiovascular point of view, I, I see depression all the time after a heart attack, right. uh, after bypass surgery. Uh, there's an effect on the brain uh, from these traumatic conditions, but mm-hmm. also um, you know, having uh, a situation where there's so much physical stress, sure. uh, the adrenaline and the uh, epinephrine, uh, the norepinephrine, the serotonin chemicals affect how your brain functions. Yeah. And quite frankly, one of the best set of drugs I have in my armamentarium uh, are the SSRIs, the, the serotonin uptake inhibitors uh-huh. for depression. And I use them all the time for short-term benefit after a heart attack or after bypass surgery or after a stent or an episode of heart failure. Right. Um, again, uh, remember also that there were recently uh, some other celebrities that uh, died by suicide after um, being unable to get out of their depression. And Anthony Bourdain, I, he's one of the big chefs, is that yeah, right? Yeah, And remember Kate Spade? Um, she died of suicide. Um, and if you're out there, call us. Right. We'll talk to you. Sure. I won't... I won't treat you, but I can direct you to um, all sorts of um, uh, places where uh, you can get some help. So, Please do it. We need you. We need everybody out there listening. Carlton. And even if you're not listening, we need you. Carlton is calling. You're addressing people who are not listening to the show? Yeah, because, you know, they can they can uh, No, they hear can't it from hear friends. us. They can't hear us. They Don't can address if their people. friends tell them. Okay, all right. Carlton is calling from Texas. How you doing, Carlton? I'm doing great, Dave. Good. How are you? Good How's Texas? You. How are you? Uh, it, it's warm here. Yeah. So what's up? <laughs> what's on your mind? Two things quickly. Um, I'd like for y'all to discuss what you were discussing at the end of the show last week. Yes. You really didn't get into the FDA wanting to ban um, certain types of uh, smoking devices. Menthol. Oh, yeah, Menthol. yeah. And the second thing is I would like to get the doctor's input on the shortage of infant formula. Oh, yeah. That's a big and thing going on right now. Home, home remedies. Do you have an idea about that? Do I have an idea? Yeah, you're called it up. You're talking about a home remedy for the infant formula? Well, not a home remedy per se, but uh, uh, there are a lot of websites that are are trying to, or that have information out there where you can actually make your own formula from home, but there are some problems with that. Yeah. All right. Well, the American, we'll do with a baby formula first. The American Academy of Physicians strongly... Uh, recommends that you not do it. And um, the ingredients at the store, powdered cow milk, raw milk, and sugar, 
can um, interact very poorly uh, with a baby's digestive symptoms. And, you know, you don't want to give a baby under one year old cow milk. Uh, the amount of lactose can be completely and totally intolerated. And, you know, almond, soy beverages, there is soy, uh, for, there are soy formulas, um, but they are extremely careful in the amount and the types of uh, protein sources that are given. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that imported formulas that are not reviewed uh, by the FDA, are, it's extremely important to avoid those. Right. And I can tell you right now, um, I wouldn't trust a formula that's not FDA approved that came from China, for example. Right, right. Um, there is something about uh, the culture where it's not a bad thing to send poisonous stuff to oh, other countries. I mean, remember what the dogs? Yes, dog yeah, food. They yeah. killed a ton of dogs. They With didn't care. They got the money for it. Melamine. Yes. It was the plastic mm-hmm. stuff that you make shelves out of. Yeah. And then the other thing that you see, even without the uh, formula shortages, is uh, people watering them down. Right. And that's important not to do because the amount of water in the formula is very specified um, to be the right consistency of sodium, potassium to be absorbed. So the watered-down formula, you're just going to, a lot of it is just going to go right through the gut and there's no nutrition absorbed. So what do we do? Do you have any ideas? Because I don't. Carlton, what do you think? Well, no, no, I don't have any ideas either. The the strange thing is, is you... You see these in, these producers advertising that if you have a if you have a hard time uh, being able to find some right. input formula that you can contact the the uh, the manufacturer and they will help you out. Well, it doesn't make much sense to me for that to happen because if they're trying to make a profit, they want to produce it and get it out on the store shelves. Sure. Why are they going to have a, a, a collection of of items there at the facility to right. help with, I, it, it, I would think that they would want to make a profit to keep everybody paid and and, and production yeah. going. You yeah. know the funny thing, Carlton. I'm, I'm go, what I'm going to do here is that I'm going to let you go because you listen on the on the live stream. Yep. And I'm go, I'm going to let you do, go. We're going to address this and address the FDA banning certain types of smoking. Yeah, you know, I, I think no. You know why? I think it's going to be overruled, and I'll tell you why. All right, that is all coming up, and maybe we'll dig into this whole question of baby formula. And I, you know, what does what does a baby need? The baby needs specific nutrients. Okay, well, designed for their guts. I understand. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. If you want to be a part of the show, you call us up, 919-860-9783. Always call on a Saturday between noon and 2, no matter when your radio station broadcasts Heart Health Radio. So the FDA banned what, menthol? Yeah. Oh, no, they haven't done it yet. Oh, they haven't. They have made a proposal 
to ban menthol. Now, those of you who don't smoke, there are two types of menthol cigarettes. One is the menthol is just infused mm-hmm. into the tobacco. Now they have some where you can either smoke it uh-huh. without the menthol, or you can click this little button that's in the filter, and it huh. puts the menthol into the filter. Really? And why menthol? There are a lot of people who like the taste. Um, it's kind of a minty, musky thing uh-huh. that um, also, for some people, it makes it so you don't burn in the throat oh. when you take a big you know, suck off the cigarette. Hmm. <clears throat> I predict this is not going to go through. And I want you to understand that this doesn't have to do with any attitude on my part. But 80% of menthol cigarette users are African American, or if you prefer the term black. Um, and I think that you already have, and I've heard, and I can't quote, because I can't remember these people, mm-hmm. being very upset yeah. about this and saying that it's a racist thing. And as soon as you use the R word, yeah. okay, uh, it becomes problematic. And I think also uh, the Democrats who have publicly said that they depend upon the African-American or black vote, mm-hmm. I think they'll cave on this. Um, now, whether they should or not, I don't know. But just like everything else in the world, um, prohibition did not work. And that was in the 20s where they banned alcohol sales in the United States and consumption in the United States of America. And listen, people are going to smoke, okay? It is is way down from what it was. I mean, the 50s, we doctors were paid to advertise certain cigarettes. Mm. Um, it's changed, and the you know we're twenty percent of the cigarette use we used to have in this country, but it's never going away, right. and it's just not because there are people who self medicate uh, anxiety with tobacco. Yeah, I mean that's that's a the reason why it's never going away. It's a great um, t- way for some people to feel like they're not as anxious, and so you know. I, I don't know. I think it's just like when they banned the flavored or some of the flavored, um, uh, what are they called? Again? Vape. Vapes. God, I can't think of words every That's now right. and And, uh, you know, uh, they want to try to reduce the uh, incidence of smoking. Right. I don't think they're going to. It's going to, it's going to, it's just not going to work. Well, it, you know, there have been other attempts that I don't know whether they're successful or not. For instance, in New York City banned the um, the the good stuff, the fat inside donuts. Yeah. Uh, trans fats. Yeah. They banned it, you know, that makes donuts taste not good. Well, what's next? Is somebody going to ban my diet, Dr. Pepper? Because yeah. Or my Dr. Pepper? Because it's a dark diet soda. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's bad for you, Mr. Alexander. Yeah. I don't know. Um I, I think that it is absolutely clear in this country that we have an obesity epidemic. Mm-hmm. Is the answer government regulations or is the answer what we do here? Right. Education. Now, believe me, I'm sitting here sipping a sugared diet Mountain Dew. Yeah. yeah. Now, there are 170 oh, no. calories. That's in a this. regular. Du- I mean, a regular Mountain Dew. Yeah. 
They're 170 calories. I'm yeah. reading this now. No, this, there's no fat. And guess what? There's no gluten. It tells me there's no gluten. <laughs> <laughs> Total carbohydrates, 46 grams. They're all sugar. Okay. And yeah. so, you know, uh, it, it, it is a bad thing to do in, in many ways. But. Sure. On the flip side, what about enjoyment of life? You know? And uh, sugar leads to high inflammation. Yeah. It leads to weight gain because it is a simple carb that is turned in most people immediately into a fat cell, unless yeah. your brain needs it right away. Right. Um, and so what can we ban and what can we educate and what can we uh, not plead, but give by example and live by example? Um, cut back on your sugar intake. There's just no doubt that that's going to increase your uh, chances of being health healthy. Cut back on your intake of white bread. Right. Let me tell you, I love Wonder Bread. Yeah, yeah. The, the consistency. Oh. oh, my God. Have you ever had a slightly toasted yes. Wonder Bread peanut butter sandwich? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. But yeah. that's the whole point. Yeah. Is the reason why these things became popular is because they're good. Right. You know, right. and for a lot of people, they're good. Now, for my kids, forget about it. They, they like grew it. up no. hating that stuff. Yeah. You know, and they had to have whole grain bread and they eat in a healthful way. So education works, but gosh, banning things, I, I just don't think that's the way to go. You can take away my mother-in-law's macaroni and cheese from me as soon as you pry it from my cold dead hands <laughs> no no your cold greasy hands cold greasy yeah, hands or, this is yeah this is comfort food beyond belief yeah and, 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 and so you know we need that so yeah if every now and then you want to indulge all right well this is heart health radio you can you listen to this program you can call this program tell your friends about us heart health radio is on Apple Podcasts and that other guy, Spotify. Yeah, I saw it on Spotify. And hearthealthradio.com. Keep listening. We are back in a moment. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio, and you are on with Dr. Franklin Weefald, or you would be if you're called. Yeah. Doctor, how you doing? How I'm you doing feeling? very well. We got a lot of interesting and important things to talk about. Like what? Um, I, I want to talk about the gentleman who got the pig heart. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is that I am extremely excited about the concept right. that we can genetically modify the tissues in a pig so yes. that the heart, when it is transplanted into a human being, whose heart cannot function, that it will not be rejected outright by mm -hmm. the human immune system. So anything foreign that goes into your body um, is going to be seen as the same as a bacteria or a virus. Mm -hmm. And the immune system wants to kill it and get rid of it. Well, a long time ago, kidney transplants were made possible by a combination of what they call immunosuppressants, azathioprine, others. And for a while... Uh, that was the mainstay mm -hmm. of kidney transplants, and it worked. Apparently, you could use those individual drugs, and it prevented long-term, 10 years, rejection of kidneys. Mm -hmm. When it came to the heart, however, it was very different. 
Um, even with the same anti-kidney rejection medications, heart were getting rejected very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then a, a guy working for Sandoz scooped up some dirt from a rose bush, and they discovered, they brought it back to Sandoz, which is in Switzerland, and they discovered cyclosporin, which made transplants of the heart possible because it was a particular type of immunosuppressant that allowed hearts to survive in a foreign um, body yeah but did not so suppress the immune system that you died of you know uh, bad infections although it can still happen um and then they said uh, we don't have enough organs you know there are not enough hearts to go around so there are several companies who said let's find out what human proteins we need to genetically insert into a pig so it shows up on the heart and makes the immune system of a human being not reject them. And they came out with it, and this pig heart worked. It's called a xenotransplanted heart. Xeno, I guess, is the Greek for foreign sure. or something else. And maybe it's for pigs. I don't know. Well, but it worked. It and the heart was great, and there was no rejection. But like we talked about when this happened, remember, inside your body, it, you know, you ever heard that term, the body is a temple? Yes. No. No? no. It's a battleground. Oh. It is a war zone of constant attacks by billions and billions of viruses and bacteria. Yeah. And we control them through our immune system. It's a battleground. But every now and then... Uh, there is a virus from a an animal, not a human, mm-hmm. that can infect us and kill us. And so they claim that COVID uh, came from bats. I don't know whether it came from bats and mm-hmm. then through the lab. Actually, I do believe that. But they found out that there was a porcine or a piggy cytomegalovirus now we have cmv that's what it's called in our bodies yeah and sometimes cmv can cause real severe illness Mm -hmm. in a a human being um but usually it it doesn't well this pig cytomegalovirus killed this guy so we're not back to the drawing board right but we're back to understanding that we've got to figure out how to put these uh pig organs into our bodies right and not have the pig viruses kill us. You predicted there was I an did, issue actually. with that. You yeah. said on the air here that, you know, there's a pig virus, and if the pig virus gets into a human, well, that would be a, you know, potential problem. And also because they're in, we're, we have to suppress the immune system. Right. So In order to uh, allow the piggy hardy to live in our body. Right. Lou from Raleigh, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. I I missed the uh, the first 15 minutes. I don't know if Dr. Rebold talked about the vaccines now since uh, they've come out and banned the J&J and was wondering... Right. What yeah. thoughts are we haven't yeah we haven't yet talked about it but it's on the yeah, list yeah j and j vaccine yeah okay. all but all but banned now yeah and let me let me tell you why there is a low threshold among the fda now for any side effect of any medication and if you look at the j and j vaccine it was really trendy it was a single injection that's how they had studied it Unfortunately, a very small number 
but apparently now it took it took this long to figure it out because this has always been the suspicion. But there is a very slightly increased risk of a blood clot mm-hmm. compared to someone who did not get the J&J vaccine. And so because we have two other and maybe three or four other vaccines coming out that are not necessarily associated with this clotting problem, they are restricting the J&J uh, to individuals who cannot take the mRNA viruses. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know a single uh, person uh, or patient that in this regard should get the J&J vaccine. Did you get the J&J? I didn't. I, I know someone though who's suffering right now from from that. Uh, had a clot? Her, uh, multiple. Oh, yeah. And lump, both lungs, both arms, both legs, and entire body. Young uh, and very healthy normally. No problems before. But anyway, I'm, I'm concerned about the Moderna and Pfizer. Uh-huh. If that's a problem, I did notice when I took, I did take the Pfizer to begin with. Uh-huh. And for about 15 minutes, I felt kind of a numbness on the right side of my head. Uh-huh. It went away. And then I did get the um, inflammation in the mammary gland. Okay, yeah, that's um, a known side effect. I, yeah. I did have that. So I'm just a little scared of, of developing clots. Uh, I know this person didn't develop them for several months and um, just concerned about that Yeah, and what your thoughts are on that. Uh, and are you concerned in terms of getting a booster or just concerned that you've gotten it and what's going to happen? Right. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me tell you what I, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say that I am not going to go against uh, publicly the recommendations by the powers that be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be frank. The reason is I'm afraid of uh, being bashed and having um, my professional credentials trashed by boards and you know people who say they know more than me. Huh. But I will say this: um, I had a, a good um, experience with Moderna for the first two injections. The third one. I got a real sore arm, and I had like a, I I hate to say it, a viral-type syndrome where I had a low-grade fever and aches. Now, for me, having a good immune system, and I've checked my immune system, and it's very good. Okay. um, I recovered pretty quickly, but I know people who got the third injection who really had, you know, a week or so of being, you know, sick. Right. Um, And then, am I going to get the fourth injection? Well, yeah, I got it. And the interesting thing was that it wasn't as severe with the fourth booster. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is the United States of America. And the level of protection increase by statistical analysis is just a little, you Mm -hmm. know, Um And I have patients who say, I'm not getting the boosters. And I look at them and I say, okay, Um, it's still a free country. And it's still, uh, you're still capable of making your own decision about whether whether or not you want the vaccine. Now, there are some people who won't let you on their cruise boat. And there are some people who won't let you into their restaurant. 
But that's also a choice you make. Right. Um, and uh, I can't give you a recommendation straight up. I can only tell you that the FDA, the CDC, the WXYZ yeah. are saying you should get a third shot and a fourth shot. Uh, luckily, um, if you had a bad reaction, and it sounds like you did, you still have the choice not to get it. How about that, Lou? Does that you make sense? I mean, uh, if we were if we were not on the air, I could give you my own opinion. But um, they're taking away doctors' licenses for saying things that aren't the party line. Right. And so I'm just not going to go that far on the air. And Lou, um, how do you feel about that situation? Privately. <laughs> yeah. I would like to have a private conversation. She would like to have a private conversation. <laughs> well, and I can't tell you right now that I'm going to, because right. that might also be uh, something that gets me in trouble. Yeah. I understand. Lou, thank yeah. you very much. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. Thank you. And thank make you. your decision based on what you want. And California passed a law about doctor's licenses. Yeah. And the the uh, the national group that is the head of let's see if I can get this right the head of um, I don't know something related to doctors have taken a stand on people saying things outside the CDC's yeah. advice. L- let me tell you another thing, okay? And I'll just go into details. If there were an anon- the medical board in North Carolina investigates any complaint against a physician, right? So Dave, right now, without naming himself, mm-hmm. could send in a, uh, a letter to the medical board saying that I am uh, advocating, uh, for example, uh, medical treatments that aren't approved by the FDA. Sure. Or, or going against the vaccine recommendations. And they would investigate it. Right. Now, I would win, I suspect, uh, by playing to them uh, the, you know, recordings of our, our shows. Right. right. But that's not the issue for me. You have to have a lawyer. If you don't, if you, if you don't hire a lawyer when you're up against an administrative uh, uh, legal issue, and by that I mean it is outside of the normal legal issues. Administration, administrative law is very different. Um, I don't have the same rights. Because it's a privileged license, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I don't have the right to confront my accuser, for example. I just don't. Right. So I've been blasted by a certain ex-partner with complaints to the medical board. Uh-huh. And it's cost me $70,000 in legal fees. No. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is absurd in many ways. Right. But I have... Listen... <laughs> The only thing I can do is practice medicine. I'm 63 years old. <laughs> I ain't going to law school. You are completely unqualified for bridge building. Right. Right. Okay. And so my license right now is like oxygen. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, you. I suppose I, I could you. go work at another fine. I, mean, I think work is dignity, <laughs> no matter what kind of job. But if I were your greeter at Walmart, yeah. I am not going to be able to have the, the lifestyle and yeah. support my family. Right that I do as a physician. So if you think I'm wishy-washy, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. absolutely right. All right. 
This is Heart Health Radio. We've got a shout-out coming up for somebody who, you know, in a way, helped you out in a big deal. Cause he, but his, not only that, this his, guy deserves the Nobel Prize, and they're not going to give it to him. His invention has helped so many people. That's yeah. coming up on this program. Yeah. And your phone calls should you dial 919-860-9783, Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio with, so far, Dr. Franklin Weefall. <laughs> Still, Dr. Franklin Yeah, Weefall. I haven't had a medical board complaint in the last 30 seconds. Good. That's great. Yeah. All right. So who are we shouting out? Two, two people who yeah. um, I think deserve the Nobel Prize, but they're not going to get it. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the Nobel Prize for medicine used to be medicine. You know, it used to be drugs and... Yeah. surgical procedures. Now it's all molecular biology. Huh. And and I guess the concept is, yeah, because, I mean, you look at insulin. I mean, the reason why we have all these great types of insulin now is because of molecular biology and cloning. So that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Um, but there are two guys, uh, Morton Maurer who, and uh, Michelle Murawski, and they were associated with Hopkins. You know, you all know that I went to Johns Hopkins. It's a great place. But it's a very interesting story. In in the early 70s, way back, they had developed external defibrillators, these huge things. I mean, they were, you know, the size of refrigerators that would develop a, 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 a current that yeah. would go into what's called a capacitor, and it would hold there. And then you determined, or the doctor or nurse would determine, that the rhythm is ventricular fibrillation. It's bad. Yeah. The heart's not working. And you would chunk, give this shock, 240 volts. And what does that do? It erases the electricity and allows the good stuff to come back. Yeah. And so these guys said, well, can we just put this in a little can and stick it under the skin? And then you're walking around and you need it. Yeah. And you need a defibrillation, and there's no one around. It will just do you. It's like an emergency room in a can. Everybody scoffed. Everybody yeah. said, "No, nah, come on," you know. And they right. got shunted off, sort of, to this hospital called Mount Sinai Hospital, Sinai Hospital in Baltimore. I actually mm-hmm. spent some time there because mm-hmm. it's affiliated with Hopkins, and they worked it out in the basement, and they did it. They were able to get some help with electrical engineers and battery and capacitor specialists, and they built one. Now, these things were huge. They looked like a World War II landmine. Oh, my. I mean, you had one in your chest, it would stick out. First, they were put in the belly, okay, so they could hide amongst the belly stuff. And then there were patches um, that would go on the outside of the heart. Uh-huh. And then they would have a crude, you know, algorithm that would say, I think you need a shock. Your heart's going real fast. Yeah. And they would give you a shock. In fact, when somebody got bypassed uh, when I was there in the 80s, uh-huh. and they also had a weak heart and a very high risk for sudden death and ventricular fibrillation, they would get the bypass yeah. and the defibrillator at the same time. Yeah. So coronary artery bypass grafting, that's cabbage. All right? So the patients were called cabbage patch. (laughs) And it was really cool. Yeah, this one's a cabbage patch, you know. And and don't get me wrong. When we, 
we we have to also have have a sense that we have a job, sure. right? Sure. And we can't, you know, be t- we're compassionate. Yes. But sometimes we have to say things that make us laugh because yes. the laughter r- resolves some of the tension. And right. so uh, now, I mean, I'm telling you, defibrillator is the size less than the size of a hockey puck and and so thin. Right. Because the lithium ion batteries are so fantastic. Yeah. And the capacitors. So how does it work? The lithium ion battery sends an electrical charge to a capacitor, which holds it in, in time. And then it says, here you go. And the juice just flies out at a yeah. high voltage and goes through these wires that are in your heart and correct the rhythm. And just it's just a fantastic story. Now, I went to medical school with uh, Dr. Murawski's daughter, and she was just a great student. Yeah. And we really had a lot of respect for right. both of these guys. Number one, they did it. Number two, they went against the grain. Right. Everybody told them they were crazy. Right. How are you going to fit a refrigerator into a little hockey puck that can go inside a person? Yeah. And they did it. That's great. They did it. All right. I want to follow up on this story about omega-3 and AFib. Yeah. I, I thought omega-3 was something that heart patients or potential right. heart patients, they take this thinking right. it's good for them. Right. And so there's this guy, excuse me, Christine Albert, a woman. Am I allowed to say woman? Yes, yeah. you are. Uh, professor week. of cardiology yes. at the Schmidt Heart Institute. Oh, yeah. And they went back and looked at patients who took omega-3s and then who didn't take omega-3s. Remember, this is not a prospective study. Um, and they reviewed 81,210 patients enrolled in multiple clinical trials. Mm-hmm. And they looked at who had AFib right. versus who didn't have AFib. Right. And how many of the AFib patients were on omega-3s versus how many uh, without AFib were on omega-3s? Yeah. And it turns out more of the patients who had AFib took omega-3s. Now, there's an explanation is that it's possible the omega-3s cause the AFib. But it's also possible that the ones who had AFib were of a type of illness where omega-3s were prescribed. Right. So right. don't quit your omega-3s unless your doctor tells you to. Um, and remember, this is a could cause, not a does cause. So if you hear some bad things about your fish oil supplement right. uh, causing a, uh, atrial fibrillation, it is a possibility, yeah, not something that is definitely proven. Okay. And I happen to believe in a purified omega-3 called Vesipa, mm-hmm. and I take it. And it's lowered my triglycerides, and it has been shown in studies to reduce the burden of cholesterol buildup in your arteries. Now, it's a prescription drug, so yeah. you have to get it from your doctor. But I recommend you talk to your physician uh, or your cardiologist if you've had a stent mm-hmm. or if you're being treated for cholesterol buildup to prevent a heart attack, to talk to him or her about this medicine. Vasepa, V-A-S as in Sam, uh-huh. C as in Charlie, E, P as in Peter, A, Vasepa. All right. So marijuana and heart disease. <laughs> is there a connection? Now, that's not why I'm coughing. No. Okay. It's, no, and, it's not uh, you know, that's not why I'm eating potato chips, six bags of potato no, chips. No, 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 no. But, you know, it always bothered me that um, I have friends yeah. who smoke pot 
every day. I mean, it's just like there's no tomorrow. They're hotboxing their cars, and they really get a joy out of it. And yet, oh, my God, you smoke tobacco? What is wrong with you? They look down on tobacco. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so the point is now they've finally decided, you know, uh, does it cause heart disease like cigarette smoking does? Uh It looks like it does. Oh, Looks like it uh, can be causing lung cancer. It looks, I mean, and think about it. It's the smoke in tobacco products that lead to the damage to the DNA that lead to heart disease and and lung cancer. And why wouldn't there be something like that in marijuana smoke? It's smoke, for God's sake. Right. So if you're out there and you're a hypocrite, stop being a hypocrite. (laughs) You're going to toke. You're going to smoke dope. We used to call it dope. Now dope is heroin, apparently. You're going to toke reefer. How many things we can... Anybody out there who has some... Mary Jane. We used to call it Mary Jane. Marijuana is Mary Jane in Spanish. Yes. You can come up with... We want to hear all the names. We've done dope, weed. That's the big thing now. Uh, Reefer, Mary Jane. You come up with another word. I think that... The initial studies are suggesting that it is a cancer-causing and heart disease-causing agent. Uh-huh. And I believe it. I believe it's going to be proven. Is it, in fact, possible that taking any sort of dried vegetable matter, burning it, yeah. and inhaling the yeah. smoke is, in fact, not healthy? Uh, I think so. Okay. Now, what about edibles? I don't know. That's another big thing now. Edibles. Yes. They put it in brownies. Yes. Uh, there's a, <laughs> a bride who got arrested. She decided to, to perk up her wedding reception and put it in her uh, in the in the cake and stuff. Boy, and a lot of guys got freaked. Not They're walking good. around. Not I've a good never thing. done this before. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. All right. So the Yale scientists. We got about a minute. The Yale scientists. Figured out what caused severe COVID and death. Yeah. What is that? So it, there, and I'm not going to give you the names. It's confusing, but basically, certain people have a protein in their lungs. Other people don't. Uh-huh. The COVID uh, bacteria virus, the COVID virus, will activate this protein and cause what we've been talking about: the cytokine storm. In other words, it activates the protein in the lung that overexcites the immune system. So this is a great thing. I've always said from the beginning, it's it's got to be an inter-individual risk. Right. And now they found they, what they think is the cause. And hopefully uh, they can um, find a way, a chemical or an antibody, to prevent this protein from causing the cytokine storm. All right. This is all, we've got some things coming up, including burnout with doctors, and inflation in medicine. I want to talk about that. Yeah, That's coming I think it's up. very important. All right. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. You're listening to Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. 
this hour, we're going to talk about the nursing crisis. It was something I think in the New York Times saying, the nurses are not all right. Talk to a nurse about what her life has been like the last couple of years and how she feels about the next couple of years. MD burnout. The doctors are also leaving the profession. Inflation in medicine. And we're going to talk about things that you can use in your life because there is a new diabetes drug. That's really exciting. Who, who manufactures this? Eli Lilly. Okay. And I'm very excited because it combines two drugs. Um, Trulicity is made by Eli Lilly, and it's been one of the greatest diabetes drugs ever. It's called a GLP-1 agonist. And it helps basically your own insulin to work better. Uh, People with type 2 diabetes. Now, remember, type 1, you can't use these medicines because you don't have insulin. Mm -hmm. But type 2, you have insulin. It just doesn't quite work right. Well, what they did was they found another protein called glucose-dependent insulotropic polypeptide. So that's GIP, and the other one is GLP-1. So the GLP-1 is what's in Wegovy. You remember Wegovy? It's that new medication that is the same medicine as Ozempic. Okay, that's made um, by Novo Nordisk. It's a different GLP-1 than Trulicity. Anyway, it helps you lose weight and also control your diabetes. Well, Lily added this GIP, and my gosh, it works better yeah. than their own Trulicity at lowering sugar. But it also, I mean, these people are losing 30% of their body index. Oh, my gosh. And it's really going to be a revolutionary thing. So What's it called? I don't know what they're oh, okay. going to name it. All right. Um, the drug uh, generic name is terzapatide or something like that. Why do they make these things so hard to That's pronounce? That's terrible. It should be called sugar low. Sugar low, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Or weight low. So not only will it help me, and I'm a candidate for this. Oh, yeah. Help me control my weight, but it'll help me control my sugar? Right. And for you, it's sugar first, weight second. Yeah. Yeah, but I care about for, that more. Uh, and you know, yeah. the, the weird thing hmm. about these medicines, and I, it, if you're not a diabetic, it doesn't lower your sugar. That's great. Yeah. So you can't, you know, if you're obese and you want to take it, you don't right. have to worry about a low sugar. It just right. doesn't do it. Okay. But if you're obese and a diabetic, it's going to lower your sugar and your weight. So well, it, I'm excited about it. It should be coming out soon. And obviously, you want to talk to your physician about whether it's right for you. Right. Side effects can be GI significant. I'm talking about nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Right. Uh, if you have a family history of a certain type of thyroid cancer, you should not take it because it might uh, induce it. And pancreatitis is mm-hmm. probably the biggest side effect. I mean, if you ever had pancreatitis, it's terrible. Mm. Uh, your pancreas can get inflamed. It hurts like a you-know-what, and it'll definitely come back if you start back on it again. Don in Fayetteville, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Don? We are just doing fine. Thanks for uh, for the show, for putting the the replays at WPTF.com. You're welcome. If I miss the show, I can grab it, but uh, uh, male, of course, uh, 60, uh, morbidly obese. Okay, doctor, and uh, got some got some work to do. I'm pretty good on the keto plan. I'm great for about three days. So right. that uh, that new medicine is 
is exciting. But I'm on a little centerprill. The cholesterol's up a little bit, so I got to do some work. I got I got to really get my my act together. Okay. And it's really really having issues with the cravings and the sugars and the carbs and all that. And with a lot of centerprill, when I come off of that, when I when I lose the weight, is that uh, something to maybe get excited about? Sure, I get really excited about weight loss. Um, when you have type 2 diabetes and associated with obesity and when you have high blood pressure and when you have the big bugaboo, which is obstructive sleep apnea, weight loss can be the primary, in fact, in some people, the only treatment uh, for all three of those conditions. And I've seen it. Um, it's been a miraculous thing uh, for me. <clears throat> I have um, done something that goes against the grain of modern medicine, although it's being more accepted what I do. Yeah. I'm very aggressive in medical, I call it medical bariatric treatment, okay? So I use medicines to help people lose weight. And there are two aspects of how I do it. Well, three actually. And first is a low glycemic index diet, and that means the no-no diet. Stay away from anything made out of white flour because mm-hmm. that leads to fat buildup. Anything with sugar. Anything with white potatoes, anything with white rice, those things uh, can lead and do lead to high levels of glucose in your body, which when you don't use the glucose, it's stored as fat so that if there is ever a period in the future where you don't have anything to eat, you can live off yourself. So one of the things and major things is a low glycemic index diet, the no-no diet. The second thing is to make the patient less hungry. And these are called anorectic medications. Now, they used to have a great thing called Fenfen. I'm going to tell you, Fenfen was God's gift to weight loss. The only problem is that the fentramine, fenfluramine, that's why it's called Fenfen. It was a combination. The fenfluramine, in very rare cases, could cause your heart valves to sort of close up. Hmm. And you would get what's called tricuspid stenosis aortic stenosis, and then they took that off the market. Well, the fentramine part works pretty well, mm-hmm. and it is a mild stimulant, and what those stimulants do is make you not want to eat as much. It makes you less hungry. There is another medication I use called topiramate. Um, the brand name is Topamax, and it's a seizure drug. And the problem is it was really a great seizure drug, anti-seizure drug, mm. in kids, but they had to stop it because the kids started losing too much weight. Yeah. And then they realize it's because it makes them not hungry. If you don't have seizures, it doesn't affect your brain. Uh, it just makes you less hungry. Um, the phetamine can have side effects. If you have, for example, atrial fibrillation or high blood pressure, you've got to be monitored very closely uh, in terms of the dosage because uh, in rare cases, it could cause high blood pressure and can cause palpitations. So, But they work really well. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing uh, that I'm using uh, is what we just talked about, the GLP-1 uh, injectables. There's also an oral one now um, mm-hmm. that you can take that works extremely well, um, and it's called ribelsis. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I have great success. If people stick to this, and I mean be religious about yeah. taking their phenamine in the morning with breakfast, taking their topiramate, in the evening with an evening meal and then injecting themselves once a week with either Trulicity or Ozempic, uh, or if you have a lot of money, Wegovi. It's it's really fascinating. Wegovi is the same medicine as Ozempic. Yeah. It's just $1,000 a month versus 
you know, whatever your insurance will pay. Uh, same medicine, repurposed, and um, it works extremely well. The The record I have yeah. is 125 pounds in Gosh. one year. Gosh. It works. Uh, now the problem becomes when you come off the medications, if you have not gotten used to your diet, yeah, uh, you're going to gain the weight back. And it's. It, I'm going to tell you right now that for really morbidly obese patients, and I'm talking about people with a body mass index greater than 40, normal mm-hmm. is 25, or mm-hmm. upper limits of normal is 25, I strongly recommend that you be considered for uh, surgical bariatric treatment. I think it's one of the best things that you can do for your health if everything else doesn't work. But of course, you've got to ask your doctor uh, whether it's the right thing for you. You can't just <laughs> walk into the surgical clinic yeah. uh, without a, a real um, intensive evaluation of your health and your ability to, to do well with the operation. But I tell you, you can find a lot of doctors who will, who will do this. Um, and they're sort of uh, still, I mean, I, I still get you know, physicians who call me up and say, what are you popping pills for? Mm-hmm. Weight loss pills. These are not, um, you know, the things that you hear about, you know, pet pills and diet pills you buy over the counter at yeah. uh, the convenience store. That's right. Um, the, the careful um, application of medicines and follow-up and exercise, which I didn't mention yeah. uh, before, but exercise can be helpful. Um it, it, it's it's fantastic, and it's a healthful thing to to use this program to lose weight. Don, what do you think? GLP, here I come, and uh, <laughs> always count on us listing in Fayetteville. Love the show and the podcast at ptf.com, and um, appreciate your time. Thank you, thank you. L- let me say one thing to you as well, okay? Being morbidly obese doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Um Everybody's body is different. And if you look at why people become obese, um, it is because 10,000 years ago, um, where there was something called feast and famine. Yeah. Okay. So you'd be a hunter gatherer or an early farmer and you'd have a lot of food yeah. for a while. Yeah. And then for six months, you know, the crops failed or the deer weren't as plentiful or whatever, you'd have no food. And the way that those individuals survive is by the uh, storage of energy used uh, by your body and your brain uh, mm-hmm. in fat. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, there's no famine. We have feast. And the problem is a lot of the feast is Pringles and the Mountain Dew that I'm drinking. And those things uh, contain the sugars and the glucose equivalents that are stored as fat. Uh, the prime example would be the, um, in, the Native Americans and Indians who, uh, for example, the Lakota Sioux. Uh-huh. I mean, my gosh, they were healthy. Yeah. When they would look at the uh, white people coming onto the prairie and go, you guys look like crap. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, and they were, they were starving a lot of times because they didn't have the right food. The Sioux were muscular thin, yeah. healthy, and um, what happened is when we sadly put them on reservations, yeah. they went on to uh, the diets uh, that we have, 
high in sugar and flour. And their bodies were feast and famine bodies. Right. Okay. Right. So now that there's a feast, um, they have diabetes, obesity, and it's really a shame. Don, thank you for the phone call. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm going to get me a Mountain Dew now. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you. He's not, he, he didn't listen to anything there. Uh, boy, that complaint's coming in. Now, Ooh. listen, let me just tell you. And, and I'm on Don's team. I'm on yeah. Team Don. Yeah. I just team want Don. You know. That's what we're going to call it from now on. I am buying vegetables, and I'm eating them in ways that you would not anticipate. Like what? Cucumbers. I'm eating them like apples. Okay. What okay. do you put on your cucumber? I don't make? put anything on the cucumber. Oh, man. Have you ever had oil and vinegar? Yeah, forget it. Forget it. Or even better, ranch dressing. You're, you're missing the point. I'm not even slicing it. I'm biting off the end of it so the little stem is gone. And then just eating it on the couch. That's I'm pretty just, good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, yeah. it's all vegetable. I don't know, yeah. you know, any other way to all do right, it. All right, so I'm going to tell you something that I do that because I'm not getting the vegetables. Okay? Right, right, right. I use these vegetable supplements. Right. Okay, mine, and again, I'm not being paid for this. I use balance of nature. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic. It's three capsules of vegetables, three capsules of fruit. Yeah. And it's more than the daily allowance. Remember, that vegetable you're chopping on is 90% water. Right, right, right. And so you can get these things that are freeze-dried for the best you know way to put it yeah. into powder and put into capsules, and I'm getting my fruits and veggies that way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's important to realize that when we live in this day and age, uh, I'm busy as all get out. I have five minutes to eat. Yeah. And I got to order my food to come in. And there's not much healthy uh, alternatives out there right. if you're going to eat out. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. All right. This is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk about the nursing crisis. The phone's ringing, so we're going to pick up in just a moment. Yep. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio, where we never have fake news. Oh. Everything we have is real news. Doctor, I don't know. There's, there's fake. We used to have a lot more fake news. I don't yeah. know why I don't have as much fake news. Well, that's all right. Maybe, Colin, we're, maybe we're focusing on the positive and, and not the negative. If so, we are the only ones. That's all I can say, say about the world <laughs> this week. All right, Colleen in Raleigh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine. What can we do for you? Well, I just recently read that the brain needs glucose, and uh, the, the the conversation where it was talking about avoiding sugar yes. brought it to my mind. Um, for quite a while now, I don't eat simple carbs. I don't eat gluten-free stuff. I don't eat sugar. Right. Anything like that. Um so how do, how does my brain then get glucose? Okay, that's a good that's a good point. You're always going to get a little um, in your diet somehow, but the other thing is that the body will produce your own body will produce what your brain needs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really don't have glucose, there's something called a ketone body, which is produced by your body uh, to feed the brain. Um, and I wouldn't worry. If you're avoiding simple carbs, that you're not going to have uh, glucose. And just remember 
that there are you know people out there in the world today who are eating only whole grains uh, and meat, and it works just fine. Our bodies were developed to do that. Um, in the beginning, and the first few days, when you cut out sugar and flour and stuff like that, you feel terrible. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You, you know, you feel weak and listless. But when that's out of your system, yeah, you feel great. You know, you feel really good. And and another reason to avoid these things. And you know, when I say no, we Dave and I were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Have yourself an ice cream cone once a week. Yes. You know, it's important to live. Um, right. You don't want to be miserable. Um, but I. You know, that people out there, when I talk about, you know, cutting back on these things, you're not going to have brain damage. Your sugars, your sugar level for the brain is going to be fine. Colleen, are you diabetic? Colleen? Is she still listening? Yeah, she's still here. Oh. Yeah, at one point, but it's, it's Go- down to, I don't know, 0. 0.5 over the normal range right now, probably. Yeah. Your, your A1C? Uh-huh. That's great. I mean, you know, here's the thing that I want people to know about diabetes is that I don't believe what the diabetologists say. Let me just tell you that. What do they say? You got to have an A1C, but less than six, you know, five point whatever. Right. Let me tell you, if you're on medication Uh for type 2 diabetes and your A1C is less than 6.5, that means you're going to have hypoglycemic spells, H-Y-O-P-O, that means low sugars. Yeah. That's the worst thing for you. I'm telling you, now it's bad to have it 300, obviously. But if you're a diabetic and you're going into these, you know, episodes when you're in the 60s and 50s and you got to grab a a glucose uh, source immediately, your body is going through H-E-L-L. Yeah. Your adrenaline skyrockets because mm-hmm. that's one of the ways that the body tries to get the sugar up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that pounds on your heart. Uh, it closes up your arteries. It's just a really bad thing. So pat yourself on the back. If you're only 0.5 units above what your doctor said, I, I think that's great. And if you're not having low sugar spells, um, how's your weight? I mean, I'm not supposed to ask ladies about their weight, but is your weight in a pretty good place? The most I ever weighed was about 172, uh-huh. but now I'm about 137. Listen, pat less. yourself on the back. Yeah. I mean, that is, you're just doing fantastic in terms of your diabetes. I mean, you know, I, I had some patients who uh, were at uh, a major medical center, yeah. and they were diabetic, and they were getting heart surgery. And so the diabetologist would come in, and they would put them on this insulin program where yeah. they have to count their carbs. So oh they would say, give yourself X number of units for every gram of carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. Ain't no way I could do that. I no. can't count a carb. I don't know how many carbs are in whatever. Right. Now, there is something really cool. What's that? And I don't know if it's going to be shown to work. But there is some app mm-hmm. that you can get for your phone. Yeah. Well, you take a picture of your plate. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. You take a picture of your plate, and it goes through some artificial intelligence thing on the net. Yeah. And it tells you how many calories there are. It identifies what the food is. 
tells you how many grams of carbohydrate are in there. Now, that may work. I don't know. I'm going to test it out. I'm going to yeah. buy this app. Yeah. And I'm going to start taking pictures of my food <laughs> and see if it's really something that works. I don't know. But I can tell you right now, ma'am, that you're doing great. Just pat yourself on the back. Colleen, and thank whatever you. you're doing, keep doing it. Thank you, Colleen. I'll tell you what, that app is going to be, if it's good. If it works. Well, if it works, here's the thing. You're going to be searching for something else. And little pictures of, like, I don't know, whatever food you ate yesterday going to appear on the side of the computer screen because Google's going to know what you're eating. Oh, the yeah, minute that's Google true. knows what you're eating, that's oh, it. That's true. You get marketing all all like crazy. Uh, at some point today, we are going to talk about MD burnout. Doctors who are burning out, and also the nursing crisis. We're going to kind of slide everything to the side and talk about that. I want to tell you that I got a new machine for my arm. A little, I've got a patch. Colleen and everybody else is diabetic. You know, I. Think about this. Uh, Freestyle is the company. Freestyle Libre. They're not paying me, but it is so convenient. I'm going to go ahead and push a button, and then that's it. It just read it. I got a blood sugar, 127. Perfect. It's a good thing. Now, there's another one. um, Why am I blanking? I I can't think of names. We'll think about it. Anyway, there's another one out there. Um, these are called CMGs, continuous yeah. CGMs, continuous yep. glucose monitoring. Yeah, yeah, I want the continuous. Yeah, and I think they're great. Uh, I will say this. Oh, we got, yeah. yeah. Um, w- there are some downsides, and we'll talk about it. All right. This is Heart Health Radio. Stay with us. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Well, we got a new motto. Although it's more of a slogan than a motto, get better, stay healthy, and live life to the fullest. Absolutely. Okay, that's from our slogan department here at the radio. All right, so uh, there is a nursing crisis. Yes. Nurses have been stretched in. Yeah, they've been burned out. Right. Um, you know, I just the, the nurses are unsung heroes. You always hear about doctors and the healthcare system, but without nurses, we'd be lost. Mm-hmm. And the health technicians too. They're all fantastic. We're all part of a team. Right. Um, the the nurses, just, I think it really tipped the balance in COVID, where you know there was such intensity of care for each one of these patients, mm-hmm. and you know the, the fear. Uh, in the beginning, uh, so many healthcare workers were getting sick and dying. Right. So I think that sort of led to the point where people were asking themselves, "Is this worth it? Uh, am I am, am I risking, you know, my health and my future for this sort of compensation?" Right. But I tell you, it's changing. It I is. met a nurse the other day. Yeah. Who works in the emergency room? Yeah. Two hundred thousand dollars a year. No way. Yeah. Um, and when she was a travel nurse, yeah. um, went to the West Coast yeah. and worked in intensive care in a COVID unit, she cleared 8000 a week. Wow. Yeah. So I want to tell you out there, and these the base salaries for nurses are going way up. Right. And right. they should yes. go way up. 
So if you're considering a nursing career, I think I would ask yourself certain questions. What gives you the, the you know, that warm and fuzzy feeling? Is it looking at somebody who comes in sick right. and goes out well? Right. Is it talking to a patient and you know giving care? Um, I think that's uh, something that needs to be at the top of your list. And then, you know, the third thing is, um, is it compensation you're going for? Um, or is it, you know, the, the satisfaction that, you, that one can have and that kind of profession? Right. One of the other things, I think, that burns out nurses, and this sort of is getting into what's burning out doctors, is the level of documentation yeah. that is required now. And... When I had my surgery, I had a really good nurse, right. and she was lovely to talk to, uh, but she spent all her time typing on the computer. Yeah. And I had uh, some health technicians. One did the EKG. Uh, one put my IV in. Another one drew blood. And, you know, when I started, and I, I don't want to sound like one of these crazy old men. He said, when I was a kid, when I started, the nurse did all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I draw blood in the office. Have you ever seen a doctor draw blood? No. And I do it because, number one, I'm good at it and the patients don't hurt. But number mm-hmm. two, it's more timing. Right. Face-to-face with the patient. And so we'll talk in a little bit about what's burning out doctors, too. All right. Judy in Cary, welcome to the show. Glad you called. What's up, Judy? Uh, well, yesterday I took my fourth COVID shot. Good for you. I'm a Moderna and... Uh, friend called and I told her I wasn't feeling so good and she says well who told you to to get the shot (laughs) I said well I've been reading and listening and that's who told me you know yeah in other words you uh, made you made an informed decision on your own I hope so I've had a triple bypass about uh, 15 years ago oh wow uh, yeah, but I'm I'm a tennis player. I'm 82 years old, and I go out and, you know, do the yoga and all the good stuff. And so <clears throat> I thought, you know what, better get it because I don't want to be laid low. Yeah. So what and, is your opinion on uh Yeah, I think you did the right thing. Um, I, I am going to do it. Um, I think if like we talked earlier in the show, if someone makes that decision for themselves not to based on um, their own personal preference or their analysis of their health, I'm I'm good with that too. Um, what the fourth does for you is basically 99.9% chance you're not going to die of COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. it'd be just, you know, really, really, really unlikely. Um, okay. It will not prevent you from getting Omicron variant XYZ that's coming out. Um, mm-hmm. It will 50, 50, 50, 60% chance you won't get it. But yes. if you do, it's almost always a very mild case if you've had the vaccine. Now, this is not true for everybody. Some people, the vaccine doesn't uh, give them that level of immunity. Mm-hmm. But I think in your case, uh, you did the right thing. And um, that was a decision for you. Now, the sore arm and the muscle aches and stuff may be more intense yeah. than you had with the third one, but that's okay that's a sign that your immune system is really good and is priming up again. Now, <clears throat> if you don't have kidney disease, you can, if your doctor says it's okay, take some ibuprofen and some Tylenol to sort of tamp down 
the side effects of uh, having the vaccine. Let me let me ask you a few questions. I mean, do you know how rare it is for someone who had bypass surgery 15 years ago not to have had more problems? <laughs> I I know I'm a statistic or something. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Uh, and you know, let me tell you something. That is my goal. I have so many patients that were really sick when I first started out in Smithfield because, you know, the diabetes wasn't under control. They were overweight. Their cholesterol was high. And I have tons of people like you now who have had, you know, a major intervention 15 years ago. Do you know your, do you know your numbers? Uh, well, that's the trouble. My, my bad cholesterol is very high. How high? So I have to get it down to where you have yours because I listen to you every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put me, uh, my cardiologist put me on another uh, pill, another medication about a month ago for cholesterol. Yeah. And also another blood pressure. So okay. I'm, I'm ringing the bell here. Hmm. Uh, well, let me tell you something. For 82, to hit 82, and, you know, you sound really healthy. <laughs> and people don't realize that that's an important uh, part of health. I mean, your brain sounds like it's really good. Your your speech is quick, and it's um, not yeah, not I like mine where I can't remember names care. anymore. But um, that's a good sign. Now, at Meredith for thirty six years, I just retired last year. Wow! And uh, COVID really sh- shot us down because everybody was going virtual. So yeah. I thought, okay, give it up, and so I did. And uh, but I joined a little German band, and I'm a dancer. So <laughs> that is great. What kind of dance? Oh, a little German band, and it's the folk dances of uh, Bavaria, things like that. Bavarian folk dance. Are you kidding me? No, we're uh, we had a big thing last week. Well, I want you to um, take a video and put it on TikTok. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's that's the best TikTok videos there are. These these boogie-woogie dancers, and uh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. All right, now, let me let me just, what, do you know, can you share with us what medicine you're taking for your cholesterol and what your LDL is? Uh, he, he put me on uh, Cozar, which is Losartan. For blood pressure, yeah. And that's for, oh, blood pressure. And then Zetia for blood pressure. Yeah, Zetamibi. Okay, right. Is that for cholesterol? That's for cholesterol, yeah. Okay, so um, uh, I had been having <clears throat> blood pressure things going on, but okay. that's why I put it on me. Okay, so are you on a statin, or did you have a problem with that? No, I, I'm on a statin. I, Which one? Uh, let's see. I forget. A Torvastatin, Rosuvastatin, Simvastatin. Yes. yes what are those? Yeah. And so it's, so still, it's still high, huh? Yes, <clears throat> and uh, I'm... I'm really not overweight at all. Yeah. And uh, so he says it runs in the family. Yep. Um, I'm taking uh, um, amlodipine. Yep. Losartan, potassium, atorvastatin. Atorvastatin, yeah. Yes. And Zetia and Cozart. Okay, so let me just say if I had a patient like you, mm-hmm. my target for the LDL would be like 40, 50. Now, you've lived. 15 years without an incident, mm-hmm. without, you know, having a magical LDL cholesterol. So you may be one of those people who don't need it. I don't know. But if you can't get it down 
with the addition of Zadia. Now, Zadia is different from a statin. Zadia is one of those medicines that makes it so you don't absorb cholesterol from your gut. Mm -hmm. As I've said before, almost all the cholesterol that you have in your bloodstream, you make yourself in your liver. And that's how a statin works. It prevents you from making so much cholesterol. But there's something interesting about the combination of a statin with Zadia that it really lowers it. Now, let me tell you, if that doesn't work, ask your doctor about a medication called Repatha, R-E-P-A-T-H-A. And that is a, a medicine you give yourself by injection, a little tiny injection pen, like a diabetes pen, uh, uh, insulin pen, once every two weeks. It is phenomenal in lowering LDL. Mm. And I'm on all three. Well, no, I'm not on Zeti anymore. I'm on a statin and Repatha, and my LDL is 11 and uh, one of the things that was a benefit for me in doing that is I had uh, a plaque in my carotid artery, and it kind of scared me because, you know, that's, that's toward my brain, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's my I, – I was about to say something I shouldn't say. It's, it's one of my favorite organs. And um, <laughs> uh, it's almost gone now. Um, the brain or the- <laughs> <laughs> no the plaque the cholesterol plaque in my artery oh, okay. is almost gone now now right. i'm going to say this to you now you should be patting yourself on the back yeah i mean here you are 82 quick quick-witted you've got a, a sharp mind and you've not had a, a bad outcome in 15 years uh from your heart disease um just and you and you play tennis I mean, you know, work with your doctor, get your blood pressure where you and he, and again, it's a team approach now, right? Yeah. You, you, you are in control of your own health. Um, and then, you know, if your LDL doesn't come down to, we used to say 70, but somebody who's had uh, a previous intervention, I like about 40, yeah. ask your doctor about Repatha. I found it to be a magical thing in terms of controlling cholesterol. Judy, thank you. Thank you very much for your information. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Tell your neighbors, we are Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Inflation in medicine. Are you paying more for things? Yeah, I am. And not only that, the supply chain is an issue. Um, I need this stuff called Quick Clot, which is a um, gauze that's infused with a chemical that put on the the bleeder and it stops it pretty quickly i can't get that saline uh just a bag of saline is hard to get it's really expensive that's just salt and and yeah but it's got to be listen it it sounds simple sure but it's got to be manufactured precisely so that there's no bacteria no viruses in it whatsoever i'm having a hard time getting that um what else am i getting a hard time there's some little things here and there uh, that I'm having a hard time getting a hold of. And um, my drug prices have gone up. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. I don't do much uh, in the office. I use a medicine, Toradol. Have you ever heard of that? No. It is uh, Etodilac. It's an anti-inflammatory. That It's like a, uh, an intravenous ibuprofen. Yeah. And that went up in price. I use that a lot. People come in with acute pain. Yeah. Boy, that works. Yeah. That yeah, works really well. All right. We're going to talk about MD burnout, doctors burning out, and we're also going to talk about what you alluded to, ibuprofen and kidney disease, Yeah, and I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, it's a big thing. I didn't know that one was a cause, and now they've come out with something where 
some blood pressure medicines interact with ibuprofen uh-huh. or maybe do yeah. and Combos. They, ups- they upset the system and cause kidney damage yeah. as a guy who's got some kidney damage you don't want to take ibuprofen. i never thought of that really that's coming up your doctor never told you that probably not <laughs> I say, I say probably not. I, I don't remember. I don't really listen to him. All right. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and Get better, stay healthy, and live life to the fullest with Heart Health Radio. Absolutely. Dr. Franklin Weefald, who is who are we shouting out? Well, I've been taking care of Myra Myers yeah. for many years. Um, Myra uh, gave me permission to discuss her case. The reason I'm shouting her out, she has a very difficult problem to treat, and that is called orthostatic hypotension. What does that mean? It means when you stand up, your blood pressure just drops. Yes. And you get dizzy, you can pass out. So if you're having dizziness when you stand up or unexplained, almost passing out, Mm -hmm. make sure you ask your doctor to check your blood pressure sitting and then your blood pressure standing and then wait a few minutes uh, and check your blood pressure again if you start to get dizzy. It's actually more common than you think. And it's so frustrating to treat that most doctors don't want to treat it. Right. And they, they don't even look for it. You have to take... Uh, a lot of salt. I mean, you, people think, oh, salt's bad for you. Well, you if your blood pressure is low, you need salt because mm. you have to expand the amount of blood that's in your bloodstream. The other thing is compression stockings. And boy, oh boy, do people hate wearing compression stockings. Now, why does that work? Mm. Because when you stand up, gravity takes your blood and puts it in the veins in your legs. And if you have compression stockings not as much can stay down there. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is is put up into your central chest where you can maintain your blood pressure by increasing the amount of blood your heart pumps out. Now, if that doesn't work, oh my gosh, you've got to go to medicines that constrict the arteries to keep the blood pressure high. Those are mitodrine and others um, that you might need, and those are difficult. And then, ultimately, you know, some people have to go on something called fludrocortisone, which is a, a hormone that makes your kidneys absorb sodium right. from the urine so you have more sodium in your body. And Myra is doing well now. That's great. Um, she had some problems with almost passing out. There were situations where she couldn't even stand up for a while. Oh, my. But her pressure doesn't drop as much, and she's able to do the things she wants to do, and right. she's compliant. Right. And love her. She's right. wonderful. If you're listening out there, Myra, pat yourself on the back. Ibuprofen. Yeah. Which one is that? Is that Tylenol? No. No. no ibuprofen was Motrin. Motrin. Okay. Motrin. Right. Now, what, what's the difference? Tylenol is a medicine that does not have anti-inflammatory properties. Now, okay. What does that mean? Tylenol works in your brain. Mm. Nobody knows why it reduces fever. Did you know that? Mm. No. The reason why ibuprofen reduces fever is that it is a direct-acting anti-inflammatory. So what does that mean? Cyclooxygenase. That's a mouthful, but that's an enzyme that produces inflammation when your body needs to be inflamed. Yeah. Well, the medicines like ibuprofen, so that would be Aleve and those that are like that. There are others. Dolabid, there's all sorts of different ones that came out. 
Celecoxib uh, or Celebrex, very similar, uh, has one or two properties that are different. They right. think that Celebrex may not cause as many ulcers. But anyway, so ibuprofen is really a great anti-inflammatory. Right. And so it'll reduce the pain where it starts. So suppose you have an inflamed knee because you, you know, wrenched it. Yeah. You take the ibuprofen and it'll reduce the swelling It'll reduce the redness and the pain because it's preventing the inflammation from even starting. Now, if you take a Tylenol with it, and and it's a great combination, Tylenol and and ibuprofen, that works on the brain. So your brain doesn't perceive as much pain. Right. It's a great combination. Now, the kidneys are maintained in balance by these cyclooxygenase enzymes. Sure. So if you take too much ibuprofen, you can ruin your kidneys because then you get all of the the basic safety features that the kidney uses to stay healthy. They can be eliminated. So I'm not talking about taking ibuprofen every once in a while. You should never be on chronic ibuprofen unless you're under the care, intensive care, of an internal medicine doctor who's going to monitor your kidney and monitor everything else. Right. Because if you take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen four times a day for two months, three months, four months, I've known people who are on it for years, you're at risk for kidney failure, and that needs to be monitored. Now, suppose your kidneys are mildly or moderately uh, weak uh, for whatever reason, high blood pressure that wasn't controlled or diabetes. You need to not take ibuprofen. Uh, okay. or Aleve or any of the naproxen-type uh, medications because they can ruin your kidney when it, it's, you know, sustainable. Right. Uh, it's, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 3 or a 4, it, you know, where 10 is the worst and 1 is the best. Yeah. If you take ibuprofen, it can really mess it up. Nice. So never take, even if it's an over-the-counter medication, don't take it unless you've talked about it with your doc. And talk to your doctor about the yeah. latest news, which is that there's some problem with some blood pressure medicines. Right. So what are they? Uh, some yeah. of the ACE inhibitors. So you're talking about lisinopril, uh, meds like that, that actually work at the level of the kidney. You've got to yeah. be really, really careful when you take those in combination with ibuprofen. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you can't. No, um, no. You can if you're monitored. You can if your kidneys are perfect. Right. But um, you don't want to take ibuprofen all the time because there's always the danger of kidney damage, but also yeah, burn a hole in your stomach like you wouldn't believe. Really? Okay. Yeah, cause an ulcer. Oh. All right. So when you talk sometimes about burnout and medical oh, yeah. people, sometimes other folks say, you know, I dig a ditch all day. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I, I got a pickup truck at work and I, there's no air conditioning right. and it's 90 degrees right. out and I, oh, no. et cetera, et cetera. But there is real cause for concern. Yeah. Okay. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Okay. <laughs> there are so many people yeah. who work a lot harder than me okay. and do wonderful things. Yeah, right. I've been ditch diggers. If you don't dig a ditch right, what happens? You water, get you cut yeah. a gas line, you blow up uh, right. half of Milwaukee. Right. You right? don't want to do that. So it doesn't matter what you do. It matters how well you do it. Right. And so, you know, I think that there is dignity in any kind of work. But what's happening in medicine now 
is not only affecting doctors, it's going to affect patients. Okay. So in on January 1st, 2010, in my opinion, medicine was ruined. Okay. And I'm exaggerating, but the Affordable Care Act was passed as a way, and I think it, it's it's very important that we expand the access to medical care. Everybody in this country should be able to go see a doctor and not have to worry about about being, you know, going broke. And, mm-hmm. and so, but what the Affordable Care Act was was to expand access to regular insurance. Okay, and what President Obama said was that we're going to take away the doctor's money because they are cheating us. Hmm. And they're going to say they're doing a level four office visit, which is 22 minutes of time with three problems addressed and a moderate level of uh, risk to the patient. That's what they came up with. They came up with these these uh, criteria right. to justify getting $80. And so what happened was that we have to now document everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Ask your doctor one day for your electronic medical record office visit. Mm. And, you know, the doctor came in, measured your blood pressure, adjusted your medicines, talked to you about whether you had chest pain, whether your COPD or lung breathing is good. What about your diabetes? Ten pages. Really? Single-spaced. And the reason is if the auditors from Medicare, for example, get a hold of your records, right. they are auditing f- working for a company. Sure. And the company only makes money if they take away yours. <laughs> so what are they going to do? Oh, wait a minute. No, we had five you know, things they talked about for this disease. It was supposed to be six. Uh, <clears throat> and they take your paid. money away. You don't get paid then. Well, yeah. And so- Physicians now are completely different. They you walk into the office in in the exam room, and they got a computer, and they're they're staring at the computer, typing yeah. away. Yeah. Now, why are they doing that? Because if they don't document all this stuff, they're not going to get paid. Complete burnout. Patients now, I'm sorry, physicians now are spending almost as much time creating their chart notes as they are seeing their patients, and it's killing us. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Well, that's it. That's Heart Health Radio this week. Thanks for listening. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and hearthealthradio.com. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.